Well, good morning, church. Aren't you thankful for the rain? Praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> One of the great regrets of my life is that I went to flight school many, many years ago and did not finish. And what I mean by that is I learned how to fly the plane. I did solos. I actually did two cross-country solo flights. But I didn't take the last solo flight, nor did I take the final exam. And to this day, when I drive by a small airport and there's a Cessna 152 sitting out on the tarmac, I cringe with regret because I started it, but I didn't finish it. Have you ever started something you didn't finish? Now guys, if you're not sure, just ask your wife. I promise you, she has a list. Now, it might be that uh, it was maybe a home project, and you got started on it, but you just didn't finish. And I'm not just talking about to the men, I'm just for all of us. Maybe you tried to write a book, but you didn't finish. Or maybe you're, you were restoring a car, and it's still sitting there, half done. Or maybe, here's a big one, maybe it was cleaning out the garage. Yeah, well, I'm getting a little close there. Uh, maybe it was your college education. You started it, but you never really finished it. Or maybe it's a diet that you, you were on. Or, or maybe it was a race that you were running and you just, you just weren't able to finish. Now, here's what I want you to think about. If you ever started something and you didn't finish it, I want to ask you a question. Why didn't you finish? Usually the reason we don't finish something most of the time is because we lack something. We don't finish it because we lack something. Uh, we lack the help that we need to get the project done, or we lack the resources to, to complete the project, or we lack the knowledge on how to actually do the job. We thought we could handle it, but we, we lack the knowledge. Or maybe we lack the time. We just didn't realize it was going to be such a big thing and take so much time. Maybe we lack the strength physically unable to complete the task. Maybe you lack the courage to see it through. Or maybe you just lack the discipline to stay with it. But most of the time, we usually start something with great excitement, but we don't finish it because we lack something. And one of the things that makes God God is that God doesn't lack anything. Would you agree with that? God's not lacking in ability. God is not lacking in knowledge. God is not lacking in power or resources. And He is certainly not lacking in time. God doesn't lack for anything. And that's why the Bible is able to make us this promise. The Bible says, being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I can say to you without hesitation, what God begins, He always, without exception, completes. What God begins. Now open your Bibles to uh, Philippians chapter 1. I'll show you the verse that I just quoted for you. Philippians chapter 1. And I, I want to tell you ahead of time that I really hope that this is going to be an encouraging word for some of you today. Some of you may be secretly wondering if God is done with you. Or maybe you're quietly worrying that God no longer loves you. Maybe you are anxiously impatient that God changes, needs to change something in your life or maybe in the life of one of your 
relatives, maybe in the life of one of your kids or in the life of your spouse, and you're anxiously waiting and worrying about God to do that. And what I want to assure you of today as we look at this text Regardless of what your life is, looks like right now, and regardless of what you're going through right now in life, the thing I want to assure you of is this. God has neither lost interest nor has He lost control. Your Heavenly Father is faithful to finish what He starts in someone's life. Now, it's important that you and I have this perspective. It's important that we look at this through that lens because when we lose that perspective, we often lose hope. Too often we get focused on the work that we want God to do around us, right? That God, would you change him? Would you change her? Whether it's a, a child or a spouse or somebody at work and, and we're, we're looking at what we need God to do around us. Or maybe we're focused on the work that God needs to do in the nation and we keep praying and worrying and getting frustrated and overwhelmed by all that God needs to do in our nation. Or maybe your focus is on the work that God needs to do to meet a need. Maybe it's a financial need or a physical need. And, and all of your energies are focused on, God, here's what I need you to do to meet this need. In other words, we get so focused on what we need God to do for us that we forget that His greatest concern is what He does in us. And that's what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes today as we look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. This verse reveals some simple but powerful statements about the salvation work that God does in our lives. There's three things out of this one verse that I want to show you this morning. And the first one is this. Salvation begins and ends with God. It begins and ends with God. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you, God, who, He who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is the one who took the initiative in starting your salvation process. Salvation always begins with God. Always. That's why Romans 5.8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God took the first step towards you long before you ever knew you needed Him to do that. Don't ever forget this wonderful truth. God always takes the first step towards you. That's an encouraging word, folks. That salvation always begins with God. And Paul, as he's writing to the church at Philippi, he's emphasizing to them that the work that, that God has been doing in their lives is a work that God started. Not a work that Paul started. Yes, Paul was the missionary. Paul was the messenger. Paul was the one who brought the good news. But it was God who was changing lives in the church at Philippi. That spiritual transformation in the life of an individual is a work that only God can do. Salvation, look how Paul breaks it down in this verse. Salvation originates with God. He who began a good work in you is what it says. And salvation is completed by God because Paul says He will carry it to completion. He will carry it on to completion. That's why the book of Hebrews refers to our Heavenly Father and, and Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith. Because salvation starts with Him. And salvation is completed in Him. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, let me see if you, if you would agree with this. Would you agree that... Uh, when you try to save yourself, you don't do a very good job? 
Would you agree that if, if you've ever tried to just to make yourself better, you've, have you ever tried just kind of self-improvement, and you're just trying to make yourself a better person, would you agree that you're limited in what you can do? Salvation is never the work of man. Salvation is always the work of God. And notice how confident Paul is in this, of God's work in our lives. Paul uses a very strong word here in verse 6, being confident of this. And if you look at that word in the Greek text, it means to be fully persuaded, absolutely, absolutely certain, no doubt whatsoever. It is a very strong word when he says, I'm confident of this, that God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion. And that word confident, fully persuaded, absolutely certain, no doubt whatsoever. Now, let, let me just try to relate it to your life where you live. How many Clemson fans do we have here today? Raise your hand. Uh, come on, don't be embarrassed. Come on. All right, so let me ask you a question. Are you fully persuaded, absolutely confident, that they're going to beat Georgia Tech tomorrow night? Some of you are. Some of you don't seem that confident. That's interesting. Most Clemson fans that I know are very confident people, and rightly so. And by the way, I hope that they do win tomorrow night. But listen, friend, you may or may not doubt the outcome of that game, and you may or may not have a reason to doubt the outcome of that game, but you have no reason whatsoever to doubt the outcome of your faith if your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let me show you this in Scripture. Go to Romans chapter 8. Put your finger there in Philippians 1. We'll come back to it. Go to the left to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 30, if you're taking notes. I want to call your attention to some key words. And I, I will say to you before we even read this, that Romans chapter 8 and Romans chapter 9 are big theological chapters. Lots of things have been written about these chapters. Lots of debate about what these verses mean. Uh, and, and I'm not going to try to teach all of that today. I'm just going to read the text and make a few comments about some of the words that are used here. Again, we're talking about this confidence that God is the one who brings about salvation. So Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know, Paul says, and that word know, again, is a very strong word of confidence. And we know that in all things, that is everything happening in and around our lives, and we know that in all things, God works. You might want to underline that. God works. That in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. Remember that word good. We'll, we'll look at that again in another context. God works for the good of those who love Him. Who have been called according to His purpose. And then in the next verse, we start getting into the deep weeds of those theological words. For those God foreknew, He also predestined. Those are big theological words, let me help you with that. Those two words are referring to God's decision to save those who trust in Christ. I don't want you to be misled by the word predestined, by the way. My perspective is this. It says in the text that those that God foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. In other words, in my perspective, predestination is God has predestined that if you put your faith in Christ, that your life be conformed to Jesus Christ. 
He's predestined that your life be shaped and that you look more and more like His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's exactly what the verse says. Look at it again. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. And then we continue on. That He might be, watch this, that He might be the firstborn among many believers, or many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. There's another big theological word. You're probably a little bit familiar with that one. It simply talks about God's activity and actually saving those who turn to Him. He justified. It's God's activity in saving those who turn to Him. But now the next word is a very good word. Look at the text with me. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also... What's that last word? Glorified. It's a beautiful theological word. It refers to what happens when God's children finally get to heaven. When God's children, when you and I, when we finally get to heaven. Now, would you notice first of all that all of this work that we've been reading about is something that God does, not something that we do. Make sure you have and keep that perspective. He's talking about something that God does, not something that we do. And then the second thing I want you to notice is this, that all of these things, all of it, is spoken in past tense. Look at the text again. He talks about uh, those he foreknew, he also predestined, past tense, to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that, that we might be the firstborn among many, belover, uh, many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, and that's past tense. He also justified, past tense. And those he justified, he also glorified, Past tense. Why is he writing all of this in the past tense? Because from God's perspective, because God is outside the sphere of time. God's perspective, God is eternal, and when He looks at your life, and you've put your faith in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, He sees it as if it's already completed. As if it's already done. Salvation, ladies and gentlemen, first point is simply this. Salvation begins and ends with God. Your life is in His mighty, holy hands. Here's the second thing I want you to see as we go back to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. What God does in our lives is always good. Can you say amen to that? Would you do that? What God does in our lives is always good. Look, look how he phrases it. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you. Paul said that the work being done in the lives of the Philippians was a good work. It was a good work in them. You see, God is always, when he's working in you, it's always a good work. In you, He always wants what's best for you. And when we allow God to work in our lives, when we cooperate with what God wants to do in our lives, ladies and gentlemen, what God does is always good. And it's for your good. What God can do for us is always better than anything we could ever do for ourselves. Perhaps when he was writing these words, maybe Paul had in mind the 
the Philippian jailer and his family and, and how God did a good work in their lives when they put their faith in Christ. Or maybe he's thinking about the ladies on the riverbank there at Philippi when he first met them and the good work that God did in their lives when they put their faith in Christ. Whoever he had in mind, Paul was trying to emphasize to the church at Philippi, when God works in your life, it's always a good work he's trying to accomplish. Now, listen to me carefully. That doesn't mean that everything that happens to you is good. As a pastor, I'm so much aware of that. I talk to people nearly every day about the bad stuff in their lives. The heartbreaking things in their lives. I had two funerals in the last two days. I understand that not everything that happens in life is good. But what this verse means is that everything that happens to us, the good and the bad, God uses it to make us like Jesus. God uses the good and the bad to accomplish His good work in our lives. On Friday night, Lisa and I went out on a little date, nothing big or fancy, but we just went out for a little date and we went downtown Greenville and we went to get a milkshake. Uh, there's a new place, I, I know we're online, I'm not going to advertise for them, but there's a place downtown Greenville, don't know if you heard about it, just opened up last week or so, and, and you, get, you get a milkshake in a mason jar. You all know what I'm talking about? You can look it up if you're, if you're not sure what this is all about. But we, uh, when I heard about it, I got online and I looked at it, and, and man, I t- these are not just milkshakes, this is a work of art. And when I saw them, by the way, they don't put the prices on the menu. And when I saw these things online, these works of art, I said to Lisa, I said, I bet that milkshake is $15. Guess what? I was right. Well, I was off by 25 cents, $14.75 to be exact. But with tax, it's $15. Now, I can't... I can't stress to you how long the line was when we went there Friday night. At least from here to the back of the church, I stood in line. For I don't know how long your pastor stood in line for a milkshake that cost me $15. I told Lisa, I said, we're splitting it, by the way. We don't... <laughs> I'm not spending $30 on two milkshakes. We're going to split that big boy. And we, didn't even, we weren't even able to finish it by splitting it. it. I mean, this is just, talk about blowing your diet. My goodness. But I thought about it later. I thought, you know, we didn't have a problem at all waiting in that line. We waited and waited and waited and waited for a milkshake. And yet we have a hard time waiting on God to do His work in our lives. For some reason, when it comes to God doing something, God, would you change him? God, would you change her? God, whoa, 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 I've got a plan for him. I've got a plan for her. But what about you? What about in your life? And we wait on God to bring about his work, his good work, and sometimes it takes a while. And we get so tired and frustrated of, of waiting. So here, let me give you a little lens to look through regarding having to wait for God to do His work in you. As you're waiting for God 
to answer your prayer, as you're waiting for life to change, as you're waiting for things to improve, you might need to remind yourself, God is still at work. I may not be able to see it, I may not, be able, I may not feel it, but God is still at work. So you might want to say out loud or say in prayer, God in this painful time, do your good work in me. God, in this uncertain time, do Your good work in me. God, in this time of discouragement, do Your good work in me. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, it's in those times of discouragement and in those times of difficulty that we need God in a special way. And we need to be reminded that yes, we need Him to do a work around us, but we also need Him to do a work in us. In us. You see, this is a journey of faith. Read your Bible. This is a journey of faith. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So you remind yourself, God, you're at work and you're in control and I'm asking you to do your work, your good work in me. Here's a third thing from Philippians 1.6 and that is, God's work is never complete in this life. The key phrase there is in this life. The Bible says in chapter 1 verse 6 of Philippians, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Until the day of Christ. You know what that means? That means that this is a lifetime process. That God's going to keep working in you. God's going to keep changing. God's going to keep conforming you to the person of Jesus Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, it is a lifetime process. He will continue to do His good work in you until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul was writing to people he had led to the Lord in this letter called Philippians. And he had led them to the Lord about 10 years prior to this. But he still has the confidence that 10 years later, God's still at work in them. 10 years later, God's still doing His powerful, important work in their lives. It is God who initiates salvation, and one day it is God who will bring our salvation to a completion. Now let me talk to you as your pastor for a moment. If your life has been hard lately, and I know for some of you it has, if you've dealt with a lot of heartache lately, and I know definitely some of you have, if, if your life is spiritually dry right now, or if you're just confused about why things are happening the way they are, I want to teach you four words, and you need to hang on to these. The four words are simply these. God's not finished yet. You need to re remind yourself of that. God's not finished yet. Because it's so easy to get defeated. It's so easy to get discouraged because, man, we're waiting. We go back to that term, we're waiting. And you need to remind yourself, God's not finished yet. Let's face it, when we look at the world around us, when we look in the lives of the people that we love, or when we look in the mirror at our own lives, sometimes we just have to remind ourselves, God's not finished yet. The end of the story is that God is going to bring about His completion it says, look at verse 6. Look when he's going to complete it. Until the day of Christ Jesus. Um, 
Ruth Graham was riding with Billy in a car one day, and they were on the interstate, and they were going down the interstate, and she saw a sign, and she said to Billy, Billy, when I die, I want you to put that on my tombstone. And sure enough, he did. And here's what her tombstone says. End of construction. Thank you for your patience. We're all a work in progress. Remember that little song, He's Still Working on Me? He's still, I'm not going to sing it, never mind. You know the song. You say, well, Pastor, how does all this apply to us? There's two ways I want to make sure that you understand how this applies to you and me. The first one is this. These words are intended to give you hope. These words are intended to give you hope. To realize that whatever's happening around you does not hinder what God wants to do in you. Can I say that one more time? Whatever's happening around you does not hinder what God wants to do in you. God takes personal responsibility for completing His work in you. And secondly, these words are intended to give the church hope as well. You see, can I remind you that these words were not just written to an individual, but these words were written to the church at Philippi. Yes, they applied to individual Christians for sure, but it also applies to the church, to the church at Philippi. What did Paul say to the church at Philippi? God's not done with you yet. God's still at work in your life. And and ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to know, I, I have excitement about the good work God began 26 years ago, but I still believe God's got a good work He's doing at Mount Airy today as well. And I'm excited about that. I look forward to that, that He has more people that He wants to come to Christ. He has more places He wants us to take the Gospel. He has more things that He wants to do in us so He can do a powerful work through us for His glory. This was written to individuals, yes, but it was also written to the church at Philippi. So let's look at the text one more time and we will be done. It says, being confident of this, absolute certainty, being confident of this, that He, God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Whatever God starts, He absolutely, without fail, finishes. Look, 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 look up here for a moment. Look up here. Your salvation is in His hands. His mighty hands. His holy hands. His gracious hands. Your salvation is in His hands. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. But He's still working. Let's pray about that. See, the real question, every head bowed, every eye closed, the real question today is, if you have truly trusted Christ and started a relationship with Him. If you have truly trusted Christ and started a relationship with Him, He is never walking away from you. He is never giving up on you. He is never turning His back on you. You can be confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He wants to work in you. He wants to work in your heart and in your life. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, I pray that today would be the day that you start that relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you join me as 
as we pray. Father, in the name that is above every name, we ask you to work in a powerful way. Thank you for reminding us that our lives are in your hands, that our times are in your hands, and that the salvation you began in us, you're going to bring to completion. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.